0: Do you aspire to become a responsible leader? How do you see yourself now as a young man? Learning from challenges is one thing, but getting opportunities is another. If you're a young man who wants to learn about personal growth, life lessons, and leadership, tune in to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. We got the man of the hour right there. What's up, sir?
1: You know what? I am just so fired up. I'm so much more excited for this than any podcast or any other thing that I do, actually. So I'm extremely ready to go. I'm fired up, Dude, as always.
0: It is the best. Like, it's the best. It's how easy is it for me? to? I mean, and now you and I know each other, so that that helps. There's one level of that there, right? But with, if I ever have to reach out to people and go, hey, um here's here's the podcast love to have you on and oh by the way here's how we roll with this we have amazing young men who are leaders from all over the world who are going to be joining us live and we're going to be talking about your story but then you're going to get to chat with these guys too you know how easy of an ask that is bro like the easiest it's so easy because who doesn't want to do this like as I wake up every Friday knowing that I'm going to get to connect with with these guys and and other amazing men, and just going, dude, I, how am I not the luckiest guy on the planet? You know, and that's yeah. incredible, there. man. Yeah, it's the best, man. I'm so pumped that you're here, man. Truly, truly. Me too.
1: You know what? I'm I'm seeing. The... Real life humans that I know personally. True story. The King boys here, and That's we met right. up very recently in Texas. And uh, man, that was just incredible. So I am blessed to be able to see some faces that I know in here. But, so uh, cool, we're gonna get yeah. to know each other for sure.
0: For sure, yeah. And I talked to uh, I talked to Ryan. When did I talk to him last? Uh, last week, I think was the last time we jumped on the phone. Fo- yeah, it was towards the end of last week, and and uh, we jumped on the phone to just touch base on everything real quick. And he said that they had that they had gone into Texas and they had met you. And he said something that made me extraordinarily angry. He said, you're like six, five. So <laughs> I'm this like, dude, okay. I, I have always really liked Kurt. That made me a little bit upset because I'm, I'm over here at five, nine, but it's okay, dude. I'm going to, I'm going to get hey, past look, this challenge. If you were any more blessed, if you were
1: also tall, I don't think the world would be able to handle
0: it. That's yeah. Okay. All right, we'll go with that. That's all. <laughs> that's so awesome, man. That's great that you guys got to, uh, that you guys got to connect and get together in person. Like, and how, um, how, how easy and, and cool is that too? Because that was the first time you guys had gotten to meet in person. Is that right? Correct. And I mean, was it weird? Was it awkward? Or was it just like, did we know exactly? It
1: it was so much like we know each other because we've been meeting online weekly for like a year now. right? And so we've also shared things that were deep. They're authentic. They're vulnerable. And because of those things, we just immediately have an open heart and mind to one another. And so to make it in person, it was just it it was, it blew it out of the water without any awkwardness. So yes. this kind of work online absolutely can work and absolutely changes lives. And has changed my life with all the men that I know online, right. which is such a good reminder to do it in person and be like, these are real relationships.
0: Right. And that's dude, that's exactly, I had a talk with uh, one of the Apogee strong dads this morning and, and we were talking about some other stuff, but he said, man, he said, i t- tell you what, two years ago, I would have told you, no, you're not going to build relationships online. He goes now, you know, the relationships that we have online, we were talking like, man, I, some of my closest friends are people that I have yet to meet in person. But every time that I have met these people in person, it's just like, dude, we're family. And I watched the same thing for these young men. When we did our live meetup last year, these guys, it was just these young guys just embracing each other on the bus. And it's just like, no, we know each other extraordinarily well because we've been very intentional about what these relationships look like. You're having real conversations and you're having deep conversations that sometimes you've been trained out of having with the people that you spend the time right next to you. Like you can develop strong, you know, strong bonds there, man. So it's it's yeah, absolutely. rad, so cool. Well, man, I, I'm pumped to get to know you uh, a little bit more and, and share more of your story with these guys. And so the way we normally operate is we'll kind of do a a little bit of a deep dive into Kurt um, and we'll usually take it back and we'll start with Kurt at you know, 12, 13, 15, like who was this young guy? Did he have good parents? Did he have rough parents, a good upbringing, a rough upbringing? Like what were some of the lessons learned? And we'll, we'll take that into what you're doing today uh, and how you're impacting so many people around the world today and, and what an amazing job you're doing. And then we'll open it up to these guys and they'll ask the they'll ask all the good questions. Brilliant. That's kind of how we'll roll. So take us back to to you at, you know, 12, 13, 14, who were you? Were you were you six, five at that point, too, because that'll make me like you. just eat. about but,
1: just dang. about my my mom used to say, act your age, not your shoe size. And that yeah. was only true for a little while, because I was like 11 in size, eleven's, 12, yeah. in size 12. So she got tired of that. But when problem. I was your guys's age, I had just skipped grade five and I had gone into grade six, I guess, at 11 or 12 years old. And I was pretty high on myself. I thought that I was pretty smart and I was getting validated in education. And so that's where a lot of my own identity came from. I was the only one in my family who's any good at school. That was like the only place anyone ever validated that you're doing great, Kurt. Keep going, keep getting straight A's. Maybe one day you'll get to go to university. And so that was like on the back of my mind all the way through school is I just gotta get to university. This is gonna make me whatever success I'm gonna have, it's through school. And there were just some difficulties with that in the real world, but there were also difficulties with uh, parenting. And there's one for sure thing that I want to come around to eventually, and you can jump in and cut me off whenever you want, Matt. Um, But what I experienced during this time was not a lot of leadership from my own parents. Mm. And so I felt absolutely alone. And it was as if I could trust no one but me, because everyone else in my family would put in my estimation they would put things on me and have high expectations without having any trust behind it so i couldn't trust that they wanted the best for me they were just telling me to do stuff and expecting me to do those things and that was very confusing for me uh my dad was great super fun but i was actually telling one of my men in my groups yesterday uh, i had to give a eulogy at my father's funeral about eight years ago and i remember saying he was a fun man he was a funny guy and I thought the other day, I was like, well, so is Fred down the street. Yeah. You know, like wh- what else was my father to me? Yeah. And I didn't experience a lot beyond that. So this was a time of like turmoil in my life. In a sense, I was focused on school. I was playing hockey. Uh, I was doing a lot of sports and stuff like that, making a lot of friends, trying to fit in with everyone. Right. Uh, I was just sort of a chameleon like that. Yeah. I didn't want to make anyone upset. And, um, you know, around like probably 14 I started making some real bad decisions, um, and there was a shift. I remember the shift where I realized that the the rules my parents were setting were completely arbitrary, because they had never told me what was behind them. Mm. And so I remember one day, like I used to be terrified of of cursing. It's like, oh, I'm going to get in so much trouble if I say a swear word. And I remember one day going like, well, why? what does it mean? And and I said one. And I was like, I don't know, 12. So, you know, that makes me seem a little bit silly, I guess. But I said it and I went, oh, nothing happened. I don't have to trust my parents anymore. And that was like fundamental in who I ended up becoming in my teenage years, which was just alone, completely alone. On the outside, I'm getting straight A's. All my parents, friends, all my friends, parents, I should say, wanted me as their son. They're like, oh, curse the good son. And yet when I was 14, I started drinking alcohol. Yeah, I smoked weed for the first time at 15. Uh, I was doing all sorts of things that were damaging to me that were very dangerous, but I had no like no boundaries on that at all. Because as soon as I got out, as soon as I started being able to do these things, I could stay out all night because my parents had so much trust in me without that background of me trusting them. And yeah. so I was free to do whatever I wanted. And honestly, guys, it felt awesome at the time felt really cool at the time I was like I can stay out late I'm drinking with like 16 17 year olds I'm feeling cool I'm like you know doing all this kind of stuff that for me was amazing because oh your parents give you a curfew Pff, that's silly I can do whatever I want and it made me feel like a king it made me feel like an alpha at you know 14 15 16 years old and when I look back at my life that is one of the worst parts of it all Yep. And I like that, if nothing else from this, I wanted to share that with you guys. Yes. Because I thought at the time, my 100% freedom was what I wanted and what I needed, because it gave me so much that I could do. And I could just be out there being the man. But in retrospect, I needed boundaries. I needed my dad to lead me. I needed other people in my community to lead me because at that age, looking back for me, maybe it's different for you guys, I'm not sure. But for me, I didn't have all the data that I needed to make safe and good long-term decisions. Mm -hmm. And so I am very fortunate not to have anything happen to me. I am very fortunate not to have got involved in the law, although I had friends who were arrested. I am so fortunate that I got out of it somehow by the time I, you know, reached university, sort of. And when I look back, it's just like, Dad, where were you, man?
0: Where were And
1: you? I, I have done so much work to forgive and love and be grateful for the, yeah. the way I was brought up. Yeah. But that is not something I'm going to be doing with my kids. No. I want to be very clear that there are expectations and boundaries. And I'm going to be leading them in their lives, um, even though they'll probably fight back because they need to know where the boundaries are, like I would have. Yep. And yet, I would have preferred more boundaries than not. For sure. And so. I know this was
0: I guess I just ranted there about my oh, entire teenage so
1: years, but Dude, there we go. That's what that's, that's what I came here to
0: say. And and there's <laughs> Where so else you that, go? There's so much that and so we've got some of the, so some of the apogee strong dads get to they get to they'll be able to listen in and they'll be listening in on this too. And then and and there's some crossover. Some of the dads have young men who are here. And so I can tell you right now the dads I know for a fact, um, you know, we we relate to that. We a lot of us had a very similar upbringing. and we relate to that, and we can be that we we agree with that perspective, we can look backwards and go, man, if we had had the discipline and the leadership, then how much faster would we have gotten to where we need to be now, right? We talk about the whole discipline equals freedom thing. And that's not just on a microcosm of like a day to day thing where the discipline today, like gives you that freedom today and controlling your schedule today. We're talking about the long tail journey of life too. that disciplined upbringing, that leadership from good, strong dads in the household sets a foundation for freedom for those young people later on when they actually want it and need it the most. Right. Like that's absolutely it, man. And I relate to that so much. I remember having, I had a dad who was essentially a gangster, uh, was a rough, uh, a rough dude and was a lot, a whole lot of knuckle, um, you know, knuckle to face sort of discipline sort of deal. And all of his friends were F this and F that. And every picture they took was, you know, flipping off the camera. And like, it was that kind of thing. But I knew if I had said a swear word, it was going to be Knuckles to Fay. And I'm like, man, why? This is so hypocritical. Right. And I, same thing. So it's like, all right, you're chasing the external rewards of the good grades and all that stuff. But inside you're like, dude, I have no idea who I am and where I'm going and what I'm doing, Precisely. you know? And so that's, so I think we all relate to that, man. So you said, you know, you kind of get into the university setting and then that's when you uh, essentially got out of it. Um, First of all, glad you got out of it. Um We had, uh, I had Patrick bet David on, and and um, you know we were talking about the fact that a lot of guys will peak in high school, like they're they're living the epitome of the the freedom, like that you're talking yes. about, right? And they're like, oh, but that ends up being the pinnacle of their life, and, and then they've lost at life. You and I probably both know men that fall into that category, right? So, but you did get out. How did you get out of that sort of mindset, especially going into a university? setting was there a moment was it you wrestling with your own thoughts how'd you get out of that
1: yeah you know what i uh i say by the grace of god because i have no idea how there is one thing though that was always on my mind which was i knew that i wanted to be something like i i always knew that I was going to be a boss, whatever that looked like when I was a kid. Like, when, what do you want to be growing up? It's like a boss. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to win. Yeah. And so there was more of a drive for me to win as I looked around going, do I want to be part of the group who's wearing pajama pants to school and who's drinking at the, the local pub during school hours in university? Or do I want to apply myself because this next four years is going to make it or break it i think Mm -hmm. i could get this education which turned out to be look i went to university and i got a wife out of it so i'm very grateful there you go but what did i learn anything i'm not entirely sure uh so anyway i'm I'm gonna give my boys the choice depending on what they're doing um but it was just this like desire to be something and succeed almost in spite of everyone else like i should be a statistic You know, like, my parents divorced, my dad had, like, four wives, all this kind of stuff. I went to a very dark place, personally, where I thought, you know, it wasn't worth it carrying on, and yet, one more day at a time, one more day at a time, there was something about that, like, it's almost like a... a a good version of a video game, you know, when you're leveling up and I was like, my life is leveling up. I'm meeting people, I'm doing cool things. And I think it was the action bias that really probably pulled me out of that Mm -hmm. because I was like volunteering for stuff that I was interested in, like 15, 16 years old, even though I was doing all this other stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. And that carried on. And I think what it was as well, maybe this important point for the the dads listening is there were a few people in the organizations that I was uh, volunteering at. There was like my grandparents who I saw infrequently, but there were a few people who reminded me that they love me and they could see the potential in me. Mm. And I think without those little nuggets, I might have not believed that because there was just that understanding of like, I think I'm a good person. I think I really want to be a kind, successful man. But it was like all this darkness from the teenage years were like, yeah, but you're Mm -hmm. probably just a piece of crap, man. Um, And so like those couple of things, as I think back on that now, just like excitement for who I was. And I was like, oh, I want to. And, you know, here's where that external validation actually ended up being helpful, which nowhere else in the world has it ever been helpful. It was like, I want to make these people uh, proud. Because they say they believe in me and I trust them and they have no exterior motivation at all. Or, um, yeah, they've got no motivation for doing anything for themselves. They just seem to like me. So it's like this tornado of thoughts between whatever apathy and, man, maybe some people believe in me and maybe I can do something with my life. And I met my wife in university. We got married at 22 or 23 and then we had kids and that changed everything altogether so that's sort of the next step of the the process
0: for sure but well, i love what you're saying right there too is is understanding that somebody else sees potential in us, right? And I like that you would use the words action bias. I think we are designed, men are designed to to have an action bias, right? We need to be moving forward. And it's about the journey for us. And a lot of times, us pushing forward is dependent upon having people to our side that we don't want to let down who do believe in us, Right, And they don't have anything to gain by us moving forward. They just believe in us. They tell us they believe in us. They see that potential. And then there's a piece of us that goes, okay, I don't want to let them down. And I don't want to die with untapped potential because if I have it, I want to see what that looks like when I exercise it. Right. And that's something that the earlier you can freaking realize that as a young man, the better it is that compound interest thing. Right. Never too late to learn it. You can learn it at 50 and and do some great things. But man, if we can, if we can impart that at 15, 17, 18, 21, my God changes everything. (laughs) Game changer. Absolutely game changer. And I don't think it stops either. Right. Like you. So you talked about how you and Ryan been meeting together. And, and I know and I think uh, Jonathan uh, Rios, right. Rios meets yep. you guys. And so these guys have met Rios, too. Um, you know, there's a there's a there's a handful of you. And I would venture to I guess I should ask, is that another version of this? later on, right? Where you're meeting with these guys going, Hey man, we're side to side. I believe in you. You believe in me. Right. And you, and you keep pushing each other forward. Is that, is that part of that brotherhood right there? Yeah, this was, something that
1: I took from my childhood. Like I said before to you guys, like I was a lone wolf. It was only on me. I could only trust yeah. myself. It took me so long to start to trust other men. And if I had just done that from the scre- from the start, yeah, like dude, all of the pain, so yeah. much of the pain that I experienced going through my twenties yeah. would have gone away because what I experienced when I turned like 30 or I think it was probably, I was 30. And I started meeting with other men, intentional men who wanted to improve. Yeah. And I started sharing things with them and they, A, didn't like judge me or shame me. And B, they were like, hey, man, have you thought about this? And here's a blind spot you didn't see. But I know because I was there before. And suddenly it's like the power of brotherhood with other intentional men. Nothing in my life has ever had that much impact and so so i was in men's group locally i started men's groups online for dads i realized that me as a content creator as an entrepreneur there aren't a lot of places for me to go out and sort of find other leaders to come around and support each other and so i started meeting with uh one of the guys one of the men that i met on instagram we brought in you know ryan and rios and a couple of other guys and we've just been meeting weekly now to be like hey man what's going on we're not talking about Business all the yeah. time. We're hardly yeah. talking about business, even yeah. though we're all in the same business, so to speak. Yeah. It's like, hey, man, um, like I'm about to have a fourth kid. And so I know Rios has four kids. I can talk to him about that. We can talk about our spiritual journeys, our marriages, things that truly matter and that can only really be digested when you speak them out loud to other men. Right. And I have had so many breakthroughs just being with other men and going way deeper than like, hey, man, how's it going? Oh, good. Like sports are cool, right? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I have no time for that. When I meet a dad at my kids' like school, for example, before we started homeschooling them, they'd be talking about that kind of stuff. And I'd just be like, Well, how's your marriage? And I'd be like, right? What do you mean? And it's like you you don't get uh, permission to talk like that to people. And so you have to seek it and you have to lead with that. So yes. in all of my men's groups, if I had gone like, hey guys, share, they would have been like, uh, things are okay. But I started off myself, and so maybe this is something to take from this as well is the more you lead, with what you want to see from people I yeah. have experienced that's what people will give back to you so that's if right. I lead hey guys I'm you know I, I've struggled with my marriage big time we we just about got divorced when you we were living overseas uh and it was because of me because I sucked at it uh yeah. we're building it up now and everything's great but like hey guys I went through this yep. so if you're there I totally get it, and right now I'm struggling with X, Y, Z. Like, there's so much that can come from this. So, I mean, that's a long-winded answer of saying yes, this is exactly this work we're doing to support each other and be men with each other. Uh, Because without a father figure who was like, without a masculine father figure, I'll say, um, masculinity was not bestowed upon me, and so I had to go through that process myself with other good men and figure out who I was as a man.
0: And that's only been within the last five years. So rad, man. So rad. And I love the way you talk about leading, like uh, leading with those things. It's it's crazy. Once you get into really that, the, the habit and you rebuild yourself in a way of like, Hey, I'm going to connect with other men. I'm going to, and I'm going to like really talk about the things that matter. It's crazy how little time you are willing to spend on conversations that just don't move the needle. Like you just don't, it's like, man, I have got one life to live. I'm not going to waste it. Chatting about beyonce or freaking kanye i don't care i don't care dude it doesn't impact me like what do we do why would we waste our time on that and and what it does too is it sets it sets some very meaningful boundaries for other people too and it really helps to cultivate your circle and your network and who gets to speak into your life and who doesn't and you know it helps set those boundaries man it's wildly important wildly important to do i love that you i've freaking love that um Take us through a, a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, and, and gentlemen, as you guys start to hear this story, I want you guys to go ahead and start putting your hands up so we can start diving in on, on what your questions are, too, so that I don't monopolize the time. Um, but take it so you you said you met your wife, you know, you guys are 23, 24. You guys, you guys met at university talking a little bit about how the fact now you are leading, you know, this group of dads and you're creating these communities. Can you give us a little bit of that, of filling that in, like going from like, we, you know, we're young and and here we go and, and rocking and rolling to now you're on the verge of four kids and you've got a thriving business. Can you give us a little bit of that interim? For sure, man. And yeah, this was, uh,
1: so the number one, first thing that I did was uh, I went, you know what? I think we should move to uh, B.C., we were in Alberta and Calgary and in, in Canada yep. here. And as soon as my wife got pregnant, I was like, oh, we should move to BC because I got family there. And I quit my job. She quit her job. And I didn't get another one. I was like, I'm going to make this business thing work. And I, you know, looking back at it, it's very, very highly uh, irresponsible. And yet I bet on myself. So that's like, that's just the background of all of this. Yep. Is I kept betting on myself. But man, as soon as my first son was born 10 years ago, it like blew me up and not in a good way. I had a hard time connecting with him right away. And uh, I realized that my desire to control and be perfect could no longer exist in a world with a son because he's baby. He needs me. He needs all these things that I could no longer control. And I cratered like I got so angry, man. I would yell at my kids and my wife. I would be like mean. I would be grumpy all the time. I was working like 16 hour days because I was trying to build this business and we didn't have any friends. We didn't know anything. So we just went like inside and we just got so mean and angry to everything and I thought for the longest time the first two three years of being a parent I was the worst part of my family's life and that's a very hard place to be when they're reliant on you because my wife has not worked since we left so she's always been a stay-at-home mom and here I am her only thing that she's got like stability with who's screaming at her screaming at the baby and basically just what I in my estimation was ruining their lives. And along the way here, I just like, I kept going, I kept going, business started to pick up, and I found something and I started looking at like improvement and growth mindset. And I realized along the way, like, oh, this means that I can not only improve in business, but I can also improve as a man, and a father and a husband, because for me, I was like, well, I didn't see my dad do anything to improve himself. It was just like, you sort of have a kid and have a marriage and you get divorced once in a while and you look for the next best thing and yeah. that's parenting and you just sort of hate it and it's like yeah. okay that's what i thought i was doing so anyway along the way a lot of work uh and really realizing that my rock bottom was like i'm the worst part of these guys' lives yeah and that was objectively true yeah. like really truly objectively true and when i looked at that and when i truly saw the truth I could not live with myself like that. And this is where you know the story takes a dark turn is I thought I couldn't live with that. And I don't want to get too deep into that, yeah. but you just leave it at that. And I didn't want to be the reason that my kids suffered. Yeah. And yet I didn't know what to do. I was like lost. I couldn't do anything. I kept making the same mistakes, but I made a commitment that I was going all in because of that little glimmer of hope like I had in university that maybe I could be something. And I just kept pushing one day at a time, one day at a time. And I would get two steps ahead and I'd fall two or three back. But because I was always taking action on what I said I was going to do, my wife trusted at least that I was going to figure it out. And we had a podcast together where she told me this. She's like, look, you sucked at it for a long time, but you were always doing the thing, trying to get better. And that's why I trusted you. That's why I stayed with you. That's why I knew you were going to get better, even if it took five, 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I did because I applied myself as if it was my full-time job. Mm -hmm. So my business suffered for sure it suffered. And it was because I needed to learn how to be a great father and husband, because otherwise the people whose lives depend on me would suffer. That's unacceptable to me. It wasn't before because I didn't know what to do. But as I got very clear on the reality of that, it's like my wife gave me her life, dude, her entire life. And here I am not giving it 110% and serving her. Like, What is wrong with me? Same with my kids. They didn't ask to be born. And yet here I am being mean and scary and they're scared of their father and just seeing that being very clearly confronted. I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I just, like I said, I went all in, took me like you know, 10 years (laughs) to figure it all out. But along the way, I learned how to communicate. I learned relational dynamics. I learned how to be emotionally masterful, which means I can feel and I can empathize. And yet I'm not managed by my emotions. It's the other way around. And I just learned how to lead in my home because I think as men, for me at least, this is like the pinnacle of my masculinity is I'm a father and a husband and I lead my home. And even if I had no influence on the rest of the world, I influence my kids and my wife that is enough for me. And it just so happens that I was somehow gifted to be able to do this work and then relate back to fathers who are struggling. Because I just thought like, if I can share my story, which was almost one of total despair, I might be able to encourage one man to keep going and save his family. And now we've got, you know, almost 70,000 people on Instagram. We got podcasts, we got people in the brotherhood and it's just, man, I'm, I'm blessed.
0: It's so rad, man. It's so, it's, it is, uh, it is counterintuitive, maybe it is, uh, it is certainly against the the predominant cultural narrative where it's, you know, if we're going to change, you're going to change the world means you're going to put something out there, you're going to put a product out there, you're going to put a certain you're going to do something that's, that starts way out here. And and that is what is going to, to, to truly change the world and give you your purpose and give you. It's so counterintuitive, because it is absolutely the other direction. It starts in there and it starts in here. It is right within your control of you gaining control of yourself first. And then it just goes out from there. And the next layer outside of you is the wife. The children, it is right there. And by the way, 95% of the freaking impact you are ever gonna make is right there if you do amazing things. And if you don't go on to do anything that impacts anybody else, it's 99.9 percent of that stuff is right freaking there. Then if you get those under control. Meaning you are impacting them positively and leading and leading yourself the right way. Everything out here has a chance to get changed too, and you have a chance to change other people. Right, it goes 100%. other direction of what we are told so often. So when you say you are going through and you you uh, started diving into improvement and and improving yourself, were there mentors you were looking to? Were there podcasts you were listening to? Were there books you were reading? Uh, like where were you going? for the okay this gentleman seems to be a step ahead of me here right or these guys like where were you going to to uh to get that guidance
1: and i I wish that i had like a really clear map laid out i went everywhere got it. shotgun approach because I didn't even know what was possible so I picked up like a little bit of meditation over here I picked up a journaling technique over here I read like 50 books every single year for like five years because I was like something's got to work but I consumed and then applied and you know whatever you're going to consume if you're consuming and then applying I think that will give you a good understanding of where to go next that's at least how I looked at it
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, we tell these guys it's fire aim ready. Like you just, you need to go, you need to take the step forward, right? You take the step forward first, then it's gonna give you a little bit of an understanding of a direction. And then you'll ultimately get to that ready. But that's what you've got to do is you got to take that step forward. And that's the application of it. I know a ton of really, really good men. And I'm sure you do too, that read 50 books a year and they apply very, very little. And they're like, they can, they can tell you. It's from an, it's like academia, right? They can tell you all the things that somebody said. They can quote you all the amazing things. But then there's also not the correlation of a life lived you know, in that knowledge, right? Because they, don't, they fail to apply it. So I love that you did yeah. that. Oh, so good. Gentlemen, I want you to go start putting your hands up um, in here too. So I'm going to start calling on you guys. I have a few other things that I want to unpack, but I think we'll probably end up unpacking them in the conversation here too. So Mr. Bowman, go ahead, sir. Thank you for answering my question, sir. I was looking at your website yesterday and I saw you had, you're making dads harder to kill, easier to love and equipped, equipped to lead. And I was wondering, why are you doing these things? And how are you doing these things?
1: Wonderful question. Thank you very much. And this is this is very near and dear to my heart, because when I was trying to become a man, and I mean that because I didn't have any initiation, I didn't have any rite of passage. My dad never told me I was a man. And like I said, it took other men to do this. As I was navigating this, what I found was that there was a a dichotomy, there were two different sides of the pendulum that people were telling me that masculinity was. On the one side, there was the alpha, massive, savage, crush everything, work out, no feelings, dude. And on the other side, there was this like gentle protector flow, bro, just feel your feelings, dude. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And like, I've tried both and they don't work by themselves. And so what I learned was that there is this middle ground and you need to encapsulate all of them. And in fact, I think the Masai have uh, Masai tribe in Africa have some saying that is basically like you need to be able to go out there and absolutely defend your family with your life. But when you get back in the home, you need to be able to be gentle and snuggle that tiny little baby. And it has to be both. And they say a good man knows. How to do them, but a great man knows when to do each. And it's the discernment that I find is the third piece there, which is the equip to lead. So we want to be absolute savages. We want to be disciplined. We want to be working out. We want to be controlling our nutrition. We want to be absolutely waking up early, crushing the day. And we need to know how to relate to women with our emotions. We need to know how to be with our children and see them. appreciate them and affirm them but in the middle there is this what i call equipped to lead which is discernment Mm -hmm. it's knowing when to do each and for me that the you know trifecta if you will of hard to kill easy to love equipped to lead that is grounded mature Mm -hmm. masculinity in a nutshell Mm -hmm. uh so we are doing that through habit stacks we're getting guys to perform daily non-negotiable tasks in each area so like you guys probably have You know, workout stuff and nutrition stuff you've probably been talking about, but we also have hard stuff. So we start every day with three things we're grateful for. We also, every single day, non-negotiably, go out of our way to serve and love our wives in a way that is completely with no expectations, only because it's the right thing to do. Same with our kids. We absolutely connect with them at least once a day for at least 10 minutes, at least one-on-one to really breathe into them. And we practice day after day after day. And then we talk to each other as men, as fathers. It's like, hey, man, how's this going? What's working? What's not? Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's probably what I'll say on that. I, I hope that answered the question. So good. It did. Thank you. Beautiful. Yes. Thank you.
0: So good, man. Yeah. And uh, in the Apogee Strong Dads, and you know, we have the, the daily essential 11. We have kind of this big roadmap of the year. Every month is broken down into different projects and challenges. And we have these overarching, you know, things that guys can go conquer. And and we've got all all these different pieces of the puzzle, but the daily, we provide the daily, what we call the essential 11 that is based exactly around what you're talking about, because those daily habits are the things that ultimately end up moving the needle the most, right? You can do the big hairy goals, the big hairy, you know, conquests, and that's great. Those things are phenomenal, but it is those daily habits that change everything at all. Right there. And
1: you know what, they're they're tied into our big vision. And this is the thing yes. that we talk about a lot, is yes. you have to have the big vision that's right. going to drag you along, kicking or screaming, whether you like it or not. Yep. And the things you do every day need to be connected to that. So if you did these 10 things every single day, would you get to the vision? Yes or no? And that's how you get a habit stack. And that's how you get the vision to actually come into reality. So for me, it's starting at yep. either extreme, meeting in the middle. And there you go, success.
0: So good, man. So good. And I love what you're talking about there too, with the ability to be both, but the discernment to understand when, right? And and the so it's like, you know, um, I saw my friend John Lovell yesterday, right? And John talks about he's the Warrior Poet Network, right? So he talked about being the warrior and the poet. And I talked to Bedros last week. Bedros talks about being the savage and the servant. Tim and I talk about being the savage and the gentleman, right? You've got to have the ability to do both. You have to have the ability to do both. To say that you are hitting that full spectrum, but like you said, it's the discernment to know when and the ability. We had Chad Robichaud on last night with the dads, you know, and he was talking about how hard it was to go from being this absolute—I mean, over in Afghanistan, you know, lone lone dude working with the top unit in the world. It is very much an aggressive kill mindset, and then having to come home 24 hours later, and you got to be the dad and, and you know the the husband. And it's like, how not only the how, but the, the ability to switch back and forth when you need to as well, right? That's just another level yes. of that game of being able to control. And that is so much harder than people know, right? And the further out, the better you are at both, I'm better at being the savage and I'm better at being the gentleman. And the, the better you get at being able to do both of those, the harder it is to go from now I'm operating over here and I've got to go all the way back over here too. That's a hard thing to do is to have that switch too. And so being able to control that is, is a tough thing, man. I love the way you're framing that. Oh, so good. All right, let's see. Roba, you're up, sir. Uh, thank you, Mr. Story. Uh, can you guys hear me all right? Yes, sir. We've Sorry. got you. Oh, perfect. Uh, what did you do to get out of the mindset of not being selfish, uh, humble, and less rebellious uh, during your uh, formative years?
1: Oh, man. How did I get out of not being selfish and rebellious in my formative years? I don't think that I was ever out of that. I don't think I was. I think it took me becoming an adult. And what I wish had happened is somebody, a man, stepped up and told me that this wasn't okay anymore Mm -hmm. and showed me through compassion rather than condemnation how to get out of it. Because when I look back on my life, my childishness didn't end until I was like a 25-year-old man with a kid. I was was like a three-year-old boy in my heart. I was a three-year-old until I was almost 30 years old. And that goes way back to things that happened. That went way back to just who I felt like I was. And it wasn't until I admitted, I kind of feel like a kid still. And why? I, dude, I literally sat with my, my grandfather And I told him that I felt like a little kid and I started crying. I was like, I don't know where this is coming from. Something's going on here. But as soon as I realized that, I could move through it as an adult. And that took building my identity up. So I wish that I had an awesome answer for you, but I didn't get through it. And that was my problem. Mm. And so now my operation as a husband, especially, is 100% sacrificial service. And so this has been like very stark for me to have to learn, because even when I thought I was being service oriented, I was still being selfish because of how it made me feel Mm -hmm. and because of what I was going to get out of it. So I'm going to serve for a while. And then it's because I get something out of it later. If I just do it for like a month or two, then you owe me. Mm -hmm. And so just like mindset shifts like that to go put others above myself and I will actually get more. That way, if you want to be super like selfish as a ninja, serve other people, Mm because you'll get back way more than you think you get by going for your own. Now, let other people get theirs. You'll get yours coming for you. So I wish I had a better answer than that, sir. But uh, that's just my story, at least.
0: Perfect. Thank you. No, it it is perfect. because That's the reality of how it works. It goes back to that action bias. Right. That's how we're designed. That's not an accident. That it's that that is by design when we go out and we serve other people at a ridiculously high level and there's no expectation of return and we give and most again first to the people right here next to us and then you just give everything else comes back around you get so much more out of it not just from a a monetary standpoint not you get every you get everything out of it because you have served everybody else man you're doing it exactly by design. Freaking awesome Mr. St. Pierre go ahead sir. Thank you, sir, for answering my question. And it is, what is the highest and lowest point of your career in your business?
1: In the business, okay. The highest point is right now as we speak, to be honest, because everything is 100% aligned. My life, what I do as a man, is what I get to do every day in my business, helping other men go through exactly what I went through. So. It's very straightforward to me because I live and breathe it. And it's literally changing lives. I've had men tell me I've saved their marriage. I've had men tell me that they're having more children with their wives who previously didn't want to even talk to them. Mm -hmm. And it's so beautiful that all of the things are so aligned that I would do this for free. And yet I'm also more financially successful than I've ever been in my life. And I've been doing this for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And so right now, because I finally put... 10 years of overnight success in and I practiced and I struggled and I failed and I came up against all these things. and I tried a billion things and I finally just put my heart out there and I just stuck with it. This has been the best period of my business career ever. The lowest point. Oh my goodness. So many, so many. I used to think that I could only ever make X amount of dollars and that limiting belief Mm -hmm. really, really like got in the way of me growing. And so Oh, there was a time where there was multiple times. Like I feel like my last 10 years of business were like this, actually, where I was like a month away from not being able to make ends meet and something would come up. I'd have to take a consulting gig or I would sell. I would literally sell part of my company to be able to pay for the next few months and then go, I really hope I can make a new business in three months from now because I don't have any more money. Like the amount of times I did that, it was so cyclical that I would build and I would sell and I'd get a windfall of like a, maybe a year's worth of cash, but then I have no business left. So I'd have to build again. Dude, the cycle was over and over and over. And the amount of stress that that brings me, I was just terrified of losing it all every single day. And uh, just to make it like more acute, perhaps the, the most gut punched I've ever felt is I used to build websites and rank them on Google. That's a really cool thing to do, by the way. It's like very simple, straightforward. You can do that. You can get people to help you. I would rank on Google with SEO and I would send uh, traffic to advertisers or affiliates. And I had a website that was finally doing well. Like I said before, I had this glass ceiling. I went past the glass ceiling. I was like, I did it. I'm awesome. Literally one month later, Google changed their entire algorithm and my site that was making five figures went down to low four figures. And I just moved back from Thailand to Canada and increased my expenses by like three times because I was so sure that this website was finally working. And then Google changes it one month in and I felt like I was going to puke. Uh, So that was hard. And that ended up not being Detrimental in the sense because I stuck with it and I just operated again and again and again. So you'll hear on all of these conversations, it's action, like I keep saying, but I kept moving forward. I figured other things to sell, I figured other things to do. I took on coaching clients, which I'd never done before. So it was scary. And I made connections and I learned my lesson and I diversified my business after that scare. So even in the bad stuff, even in the lows, actually, especially in the lows, that's where you learn the most. And I always tell my guys when they're, you know, they're feeling bad about themselves for things that happened. I say the greatest gifts that you'll ever have grow in the gardens of your deepest weaknesses or your deep right. deepest pain. And so anytime you guys are struggling or anything like that, give thanks because you're being forged, you're right. being forged into an absolute savage because you can handle it. And so that's why I had to remind myself, like, oh, man, keep going, because if I don't have any money, I'm going to have to get a job. But if I don't get a job in time, I might lose my house. And that was very scary. So anyway, it's all led to here, which, again, has been amazing. So Iron Sharpens
0: Iron is right. What do you think, sir? Thank you so much. That was an amazing answer. sir. That's, you're
1: welcome thank you
0: yeah, that's right Robo iron sharpens iron that's exactly what this hat says right here too iron sharpens iron that's exactly right and and man that's i love the 10-year the, the overnight success you guys he's talking about you know do uh, you guys hear that journey of just thinking oh my gosh i'm not gonna have to i'm actually paying part of my company or giving away part of my company, selling part of my company to cover you know make ends meet and you think you have this idea that's working and then you don't that right there is the entrepreneurial journey for so many and why so many aren't successful again it's not the ideas that are usually you know the the problem why I, why why entrepreneurs don't succeed it's the fact that the majority of people will give up that's it that's the secret The majority of people will call it a day. It's why the majority of people don't get in shape. It's why the majority of people don't have the relationship that they want. It's why the majority of the people don't have the network. They want the money they want. Whatever it is, is because they decide to give up because they find all the reasons in the world not to be courageous. Right. uh, Camus, you know, he says there's always a, a philosophy for a lack of courage. Right. What you're hearing here is a 10 year journey of courage to make sure he is at the spot that he's going to be now. And the reality is there will still be more things that will come. That'll be hard. Be hard for him. Be hard for me. Be hard for you guys. But I'll tell you what, knowing Kurt now. Doesn't matter. Things are going to get hard and he'll figure it out. Things get hard for me. I'm going to figure it out. We don't we're not going to quit. Right. That's exactly it. And that's that's exactly why he's the 10 year overnight success. That's the way that actually works. It's friggin awesome. Mr. Healy, go ahead, sir. Thank you for your time today, sir. My question for you is in your times of hardship, did you ever have any spiritual help?
1: my times of hardship. Mm. Oh, man. So if if we want to get into this, I'm absolutely happy to do that. My spiritual journey was one of meditation, mindfulness, all this kind of stuff, uh, focusing very much on the self and what I could do under my power. And so in my hardship, I would think that it's completely up to me. It's completely my ability to suffer that would get me through things. Mm. And I felt as though that gave me um, some success. And it was always lacking, though. I kept coming back to the same problems over and over and over again. Um, And so... Recently, what's brand new to me is uh, I have just become a Christian and that has changed sort of everything to make me much less selfish uh, and realize that there's a a greater power, you know, whatever you believe that is in the universe um, that I just didn't think there was at all. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that has been absolutely a game changer. And I'm going through some things right now, even that are uh, fear based Mm -hmm. and that fear is around my lack of control in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's around health things. It's around mortality, even And yet, um, I realized that I'm just not in control. And my day could come at any time. And as I was giving thanks on my my daily prayer and gratitude walks, I was just praying like, you know, if you could just keep me healthy and all this kind of stuff, this blood works coming back. And I just realized I get hit by a bus right now. Like, what am I even what am I worried about? I'm not gonna control anything. And so I'm just gonna focus on the the right things and putting the right things first. And now in my life, that's God, and then my family, and then everything else. And so if I just focus on that and the gratitude piece behind being alive and being at least this air in my lungs for another day, Mm -hmm. that gets me through so much now that I would have had to do on my own, which at least from my perspective now is impossible. I don't think I can hold up under the weight of worship. And I tried, I tried to make myself number one through everything. And, uh, I just had to humble myself significantly. So, uh, that's been my spiritual journey, at least over the last couple of years.
0: Mm. So good what do you think mr healy thank you very much sir thank yeah. you so good man um the you know I, I love the gratitude for just i mean realizing look it could end it could end right now man we made the wake-up list today yeah you know? and so if we made the wake-up list let's let's enjoy that like let's be grateful for that let's be thankful for that and and i think it's an interesting sort of um dynamic and it's something that i've been i'm interested to hear how you ended up um Coming to a place of going, okay, there is a God there and there is somebody that that exists outside of that. I'm interested to hear how you how you got to that. And I think what one of the interesting conversations, and again, we're so we were talking to Chad Robeshaw last night, and we were talking about how he thought he had to be either this full-on savage Viking warrior or a, a man of God. And, and then he realized there is a way to do a yes and it's it's almost that savage servant, that savage gentleman, right? There's a yes and have you, and maybe you're, I don't know, you know, have you found that there is a way to be the, look, I'm going to kind of dive into this stoicism and and put a, a lot of weight on my shoulders and, and have a little bit of the ability to suffer. And by the way, I can give things up to God. Do you feel like it's more one or the other? Where are you on that, right? Is there, is, is there a, do you think there's an ability to do both? Like, where are you currently wrestling with that? And obviously, no, man. The, the thing that's come
1: up to me is, uh, look, God's got a sovereign plan. Yeah, doesn't matter, doesn't matter what I think about it, okay? And yet, here I am today as part of that plan. Mm. So God has put his trust in me to be here today to do his purpose. Who would I be if I didn't give it my all? Who would I be if I was not the absolute most savage, God-serving, God-honoring man in the world, loving my wife, loving my kids because he put me here? And dude, I'm not being called to a crusade right now. Like nothing crazy is happening externally in my life, so why does he want me here? Yeah. I don't know, only I guess to glorify him through being an absolute savage loving my family while doing everything as good as I can because of the gifts he's given me. So if I've really tried to reconcile this because, again, yeah. I have to give it all to him. And I know that I cannot be the one controlling. Yeah. But I just think that my responsibility, particularly with the gifts he's given me, is, dude, I've got to live it and show the reality of it in my life to glorify him. And that's gonna come from doing everything to, basically like like Paul says, uh, to run the race to win.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm not here like beating the air, like, you know, just kind of shadow boxing. I'm gonna come knock you out because yeah. I wanna win because it's so important. And for me now, nothing could be more important than this part of my life. So dude, I think it's definitely an and, not yeah. an or.
0: You have now taken the step to becoming a great leader of tomorrow. Join the Apogee program by visiting www.apogeestrong.com. For inquiries, contact us 916-728-0606 or email matt at apogeestrong.com. Thank you for listening to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. Stay tuned for more episodes.